Welcome to the Tech.eu podcast, where we discuss some of the most interesting stories in European tech today. Let's do this. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, my name is Robin Wouters. I'm a technology journalist uh, specialized in Europe's innovation ecosystems and, of course, also the founder of Tech.eu. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined here today by, the, by Mike Tuken. He's the CEO of Envido. Uh, which is a London found and headquartered, uh, but very global identity verification and authentication provider. Uh, Mike joined the company almost uh, three years ago after stints as CEO of companies like Rapid7 and Talent, with a D, uh, was brought on board to supercharge global growth for Onfido. Uh, welcome to the show, Mike. How are you feeling today? Thanks, Robin. Excited to be here. Uh, I'm conscious that you're not part of the team that actually founded Onfido back in the day, uh, but can you tell us a little bit about the history of the company? You bet. So Onfido was founded 11 years ago by three graduates from Oxford University. And the observation they made was driven by one of the founder's personal experiences. Um, and so he, his family had immigrated from Iran. And what they found when they got here was that they couldn't um, open a bank account, which meant that without a bank account, they couldn't rent an apartment. And they felt like they were trapped because they were a classic so-called thin file. They didn't have a record in one of the um, uh, you know, credit databases. And so he felt like there was a real need for solving the identity problem. If people could prove who they were, then they should be able to get access to all of the financial world and all of the rest of the services as the world increasingly moved to online. That proved to be a really visionary bet. And not just for people like his family, but for literally everyone in the world. And, and during COVID, when all of the physical world kind of came to a crashing halt, that vision of being able to prove your identity digitally ended up you know, really being um, hugely beneficial to millions of people around the world. And, and can you tell us where the company stands today? Like fast forwarding 11 years, uh, where is Onfido at today? Uh, Onfido is uh, well over 100 million US in revenue. Uh, we are multinational. We've got um, people in, uh, you know, in the, in the UK, in the EU, in the US, in Canada, uh, in uh, all around Asia. And so we have somewhere around 600 people around the world and our, um, we have over 1,100 customers. So that vision 11 years ago has proven to be a um, large and sustainable opportunity to really solve a, a significant problem for our customers. Fantastic. Who are these customers? What's the typical uh, customer on Fido? Well, we have a lot of very well-known customers, particularly here in the UK, because in the UK, um, we're very well known for solving this problem. So companies like um, Barclays, uh, HSBC, uh, Revolut, uh, so both for traditional banks and new, um, uh, new challengers, uh, payments, uh, companies like uh, Lemonway and MangoPay, uh, insurance and so on. So I'd say it's a, uh, a whole lot of depth in financial services, but also in areas like gaming uh, with companies like FanDuel, um, in um, transportation uh, with car rental and uh, delivery companies and so on. And so it's a you know broadening set of, of um, scenarios where companies 
where people just need to prove who they are to get access to these kind of services. Yeah. And how can those customers integrate the technology? Is it a SaaS um, solution? Is it on-premise? Uh, how does it work? We're fully SaaS. And um, uh, companies these days are tend to be building smartphone apps. And so we have a um, an SDK that's available in Android and, and Apple and a web version as well. Um, and you can integrate it into a desktop you know, web app if you want to, and certainly into the, the mobile app specifically. Uh, and if all else fails, you can connect to us directly through um, an API gateway. Uh, and so it gives a, a range of integration options. Customers tend to be integrated, you know, very quickly um, in a day or two um, or most uh, a week or two. Uh, bigger companies, the gating factor is not integrating with us. It's completing their own application or their application update. But our, the integration process with us tends to go very quickly. Gotcha. Uh, now, when you go to the Unfido website, you go to the About Us section, uh, the first line is uh, Unfido's mission uh, is to make digital identity simple for everyone. Now, we all know that identity verification and authentication is by no means a simple thing to do. Uh, so how difficult is it to make it straightforward for your customers and end users? Well, the problem that a lot of our customers have is that they're, it's a what I call a balkanized world where there's a whole lot of different things that they need to bring to bear to solve the problem, because it's a complex problem. The um, amount of um, the, the sophistication and effort in the uh, fraudsters is increasing every year. And so the, the things that you need to do to combat that get more and more complex every year. So many of our customers are using um, a dozen or two dozen different technologies that they all need to wire together to solve this problem. And we look at that and say, wow, that's really complex. That's, that's really hard to manage. And um, if we can solve that in a much more coherent way with a, an onboarding platform that allows customers to you know, build a customized journey based on what they need to do in each country or for different types of customers that come in, um, that will be a much more streamlined way for them to solve the problem and ultimately much more manageable with higher performance. So it's kind of a win-win-win. And um, that's been, a, I think, a very successful initiative on our side. Yeah, clearly. Um, now, I've seen a couple of mentions of um, Onfido incorporating uh, artificial intelligence technology into its uh, products. Um, How does that work? Well, what's going on right now in the um, identity world is more or less, you can think of it as a, a battle of the bots or the, you know, an AI versus AI battle because um, all of the fraudsters are increasingly using AI to create synthetic identities. Uh, and in, in the, you know, sort of current theme right now is creating deep fakes of, um, you know, fake biometrics as well. And so you can have a, um, you know, an entire identity that's never seen the light of day. There's never, a, you know, a physical card. There's never a physical face, but it's all, you know, completely computer generated. And so in that world where you now have sophisticated AI creating these identities, um, what we do is um, similarly use AI uh, to combat it. And we do it in a couple of ways. Um, the first is we do extensive, we create a bunch of, deep fakes and synthetic identities ourselves and train our models on that. But you have to be careful in that world that you don't overfit or overtrain because there are some uh, with, you know, some of the uh, current um, generative AP, um, 
AI models, there's some very specific fingerprints they can leave behind. If you rely on that, though, uh, then you can find yourself overfitted to that, detecting just that one type, uh, and you'll miss other types of deepfakes. So we have to make sure we're creating a broad range of deepfakes um, so that we're you know, effectively understanding what's being used in the wild uh, and detecting them there. And you know, this is a, a very new trend, by the way. This It's very fast evolving space. If you were to ask me a year ago, deepfakes were a theoretical thing that people were worried about. Deepfakes are now something they were seeing every day in the wild. Uh, and so this sort of AI versus AI battle is, is you know, playing out uh, right in front of us every day. Yeah, that sounds like uh, the battle to be, uh, to be fought over multiple years in the, in the, next, uh, in the near future. Uh, but it also means a battle for talent, right? Because all of these um, you know, bad actors are, are, of course, getting more sophisticated. Uh, that means you have to hire a lot of talent to be able to combat it. Um, how is that working out for Infido? You know, that's very true. The good news is that um, hiring has gotten a whole lot easier in the last you know, 12 months than it was. If you'd asked me this a year ago or two years ago, boy, we'd be talking about how hard it was to battle. There's a white hot war for talent and everyone was outbidding each other and, you know, comp packages were just going crazy. Um, that's no longer the case. Um, and for better or for worse, in now that we're in a much tighter economic environment, um, it's proving to be much easier to hire. So hiring is no longer the major constraint for most technology companies right now, including us. Yeah. Um, speaking of hiring, uh, what was the reason for the three founders to bring you on board? Was it mainly to boost uh, US growth or what was the reasoning behind it? Um, as they started to scale, um, they had the recognition that this was the first company that they'd ever built and the first company that got into this, this kind of scale and done it very, very successfully. Very few startups got to the scale that we got to. Um, you know, we were at the time, you know, 50 million US in revenue. That's an unbelievably successful founding team with a lot of future potential and, and a lot of traction and excitement in the market. And so for them recognizing that it was time to, uh, you know, tap out and you know bring in a leadership team to drive the next phase of the journey I, I thought was similarly visionary as their initial founding vision so i give them a huge amount of credit for that yeah and how's how's it worked out for you uh, so far almost three years into the journey it's been a an exciting ride it's it's a um an industry that's as we talked about a minute ago rapidly evolving with incredibly deep technology that's being built uh, and for us um, you know, the company is in the two and a half years that I've been here, uh, it's two and a half times as big as when I started. So, uh, we've been growing quite a lot and we see a lot of opportunity, uh, in the coming years. And what's been the biggest challenge uh, for you personally as CEO, but also for the company as a whole? You know, for me, um, the, one of the things that everyone is struggling with, including me is trying to figure out the right balance in, um, in a hybrid working world, right? The, we, everyone, including us, went remote during COVID. And now that we're able to be back in the, the office, I'm in our London headquarters, um, it's the question is, how much should we encourage people to come into the office? I have you know, other friends, CEOs that are mandating people come in the office, which I don't think is a great idea. But 
you know, it's clear that when people come in the office, um, they can build stronger relationships. You can have better collaboration. You can be more productive. But on the other hand, it can you can burn an hour every day or more coming to and from the office. And so what's the right balance uh, and trying to figure that out? And how do you keep people engaged and motivated when they're working from home and they don't have that kind of connection to each other and connection to the company that you have when you come in in person? And so that's something that we're all, you know, as much as we talk about technology innovation, there's a massive innovation that's happening right now in this hybrid work environment. And we're all trying to figure out how to build the strongest teams and the most engaged and most productive teams as we can in this, you know, kind of remote and hybrid environment. So I'd say that's by far the biggest challenge. And would you say that you're coming close to figuring it out? I think we're going to be just like the um, AI versus AI battle. I think we're all going to be uh, working on this for years to come. I don't think there's, um, I think there's a lot of different experiments that people are trying. Um, I don't think anyone has really cracked the nut yet. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, now, I was looking a little bit at the funding history for the company. Um, Unfeed has raised more than $200 million, I think, across multiple funding rounds to date. Um, but I also saw that the last capital injection actually dates back to 2020, before you even joined Unfido. Um, and the reason that I bring this up is because, of course, the years that followed were quite crazy in terms of uh, fundraising, uh, especially for late-stage scale-ups like Unfido. Uh, what do you think was the reason for the company not to raise more capital during those years? Well, simply, we um, we didn't need to raise money, and so we chose not to. And you know, for us, the goal right now is to um, to get to cash flow positive by the end of next year. And so, getting a balance of strong growth with improved efficiency is is really kind of the magical combination, because the you know the um, for people that raised money in the last two years, on the positive side, they were able to get a lot of money fairly cheaply. On the negative side, what that did was set an unreasonable expectation of what their valuation was. Anyone that raised money in, in uh, 2021, you know, they're, if you were doing well, you were raising money at 20x, 30x revenue, which is insane by any historical standard, right? Right now, the public companies, the top performing public companies in the market are getting 10 to 15 times. Um, and so let's say 10X is a sort of, you know, reasonable valuation to be targeting in today's market. If you had raised money in the last couple of years, you were raising it at three times that in many cases. Okay, that's that's going to be a tough hurdle uh, to overcome for your next funding round or if you were to eventually take the company public. Um, the other thing that was being encouraged then, particularly if you had a, a big funding round, is a growth at, at all costs kind of mentality. And that is, first off, completely unsustainable. Um, and secondly, it just doesn't age well, uh, particularly in the current environment where the, the model I talked about of strong growth with high efficiency is really what's being worked. And in most economic environments, that latter model is what you know really um, great companies are founded on. And so you know, building in that kind of of scarcity mentality and that you know efficiency focused mentality is a um, it just a critical um, shift for any company that grew up in those kind of you know salad days if you will 
And so, you know, we raised $100 million back in 2020. Uh, and we've now grown dramatically since then. As I mentioned, we've grown by two and a half X. And our expectation is we, um, we get the cash flow positive without doing another funding round. And so that's the goal of it. That's a very, very different mentality than if we'd raised another two or $300 million and we're now had investors saying, go spend, 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 and grow, grow, grow. Yeah. Very, very different uh, mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you mentioned uh, coupling strong growth with uh, high uh, efficiency. That's something that goes down well on uh, places like Wall Street. Uh, do you foresee on Fido once you get to cash? You know, for us, we, you know, not a, uh, a timeline expectation that I'm going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about here, but there's, there's two key things we're looking for. Are we ready internally? And being cash flow positive certainly helps. Uh, plenty of other things at point two as well if we're in an internal conversation. But um, the other question is, is the external market um, um, ready for it and conducive to it? And certainly we've seen in the last 18 months something that rounds to zero tech IPOs. You know, maybe there's been one or two that snuck out somewhere, but it's been the longest sustained IPO drought uh, that we've seen in decades. And so both those two criteria have to be true. We have to be ready and the market has to be ready. Right now, you know, we've got work to do on both sides. So we're spending a lot of time building the company, not a lot of time worrying about um, external IPOs or anything. Yeah, understood. Um, Onfido uh, recently also made an acquisition. Uh, you acquired Airside, uh, which is basically US-based uh, peer reviewers in the digital identity space. Um, that was particularly well penetrated in the travel industry, if I, if I get that correctly. Um, can you share more about the acquisition? And can we expect more of that in the future for Onfido? Um, so we are really excited about the Airside acquisition and the opportunity that unlocks for us. So let's talk for a minute about what Airside does. Uh, Airside is a, um, a digital identity company that allows you to prove who you are and store it on your smartphone. And then when you want to go to an airport uh, in the U.S., there's a group called the Transport um, Security Association, or uh, the TSA, uh, probably got the word slightly wrong, but the what they do is um, require you to, uh, that's the security process that you go through when you go to, um, you know, get into an, an airport in the US. And so um, what's unique about Airside is they are um, approved by the TSA. They have large airport uh, airline partners uh, that are working with them. So when you sign into an airline like American Airlines, um, uh, they'll send a link to you saying, um, would you like to save time when you go through the airport? If so, click here um, and create your profile uh, and prove your identity using Airside. And then you can use that to streamline your path through the airport. And all I have to do is rather than you know, pulling out your ID and going through the whole rigmarole, just pull out your smartphone, uh, drop it on the scanner. Um, it reads who you are. Um, you can reconfirm it biometrically uh, and you're in. It, it takes just a few seconds. Uh, and so the it's it's faster than the next fastest lane by far. So if you were to look at the various ways of speeding your way through security, in busy times, you could spend a half an hour or more in the the main you know, security line at the airport, there's a 
uh, TSA PreCheck, which is a faster version of that. In a busy time, that can still be 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, this line takes just a couple minutes because each individual person is going through in just a couple seconds. It's much more streamlined and it's a dedicated line for people using this app. And so it's a far more streamlined and more secure way for you to go through the airport. What And that's just the beginning. What we love about that is travel is a very high frequency thing. There's millions of people that travel every year. Uh, it's something that people do. People that are travelers travel you know, every couple of weeks. Um, and so it's something you do over and over and over again. But it's also something that has really high security requirements because there's lives at stake. You're, you know, you're getting on a plane with hundreds of other people. And so that's a really unique and powerful combination because then by proving your identity and storing it on the phone, um, that gives us now a, a base of very high confidence identities that you can now reuse in other scenarios. So if you want to then create a bank account, well, you could go through our current process. By the way, let's just kind of trace the history. The old way was you went to the physical branch of the bank and you know tried to prove who you were to your teller and brought a whole bunch of stuff with you. Okay, thank God we don't need to do that anymore. Now with folks like us, you can do that digitally and you know with a smartphone and identity document and your own biometrics and you can prove your way, but it still takes a couple minutes typically. Um, but now once you've done that once and stored it on AirSide, you can just share it with one click and say, yes, I'm willing to share this with this bank to create a bank account. Boom, you're in. With 100% um, accuracy and, you know, a couple of clicks and, you know, you're live in seconds. That's such a win, win, win. Uh, it's a win for our customers because they get higher pass rates, better efficiencies, better customer experience. It's a win for the end user for all the same reasons. And it's a win for us because as more and more people do it, there's a nice network effect. So we're really excited about not just the entry point of travel and what it's doing for the travel world, but the opportunity to expand that into a much broader digital identity story. Yep, that sounds like a, like a great fit. Um, but the second part of the question was, do you foresee making more acquisitions uh, like this in the near future? Uh, you know, when you do an acquisition like this, you usually take time and we are taking time to um, really bring it to market and fully integrate it with the rest of our portfolio. So we're right now um, don't have anything in sight. But, you know, if I look forward into the medium term, for sure, we're always going to be looking at opportunities to continue to grow our, our um, portfolio in ways that are, you know, faster than we can build it ourselves. Great. Okay. Uh, well, um, question not necessarily related on Fido, but you've been uh, in the software and tech business in the US for quite a long time. You're now actually calling in from the London headquarters of Anfido. Uh, do you have a good um, grasp on what the European tech ecosystem looks like at all? Uh, you know, I've got a medium grasp for it. Uh, you know, my last company was actually based in France. Talon was the French company. We ended up taking public in the right. US, but it was headquartered in Paris. Um, and so through that experience and, th and through on Fido, where many of our customers are, um, you know, UK and, and EU um, fintech startups, um, you know, I've gotten a, you know, somewhat of a grasp of the ecosystem. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I, I would know more more than most Americans. Let's put it that way. Sure. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot, but I was just wondering how you sort of rate the UK tech ecosystem and the European one, for that matter, uh, compared to the US. I'd say a couple of things. Number one, in terms of fintech. 
I think the UK is um, really um, world class. I think we have the, the strongest fintech ecosystem in the world here in the UK. And, you know, companies like Revolut that I mentioned a second ago are perfect examples of that. Um, in um, and we're seeing an increasingly vibrant EU uh, tech ecosystem. If you were to turn the clock back, you know, 10 or 20 years, then almost all of the, or a huge amount of the tech innovation was being driven out of Silicon Valley in the US. And as that, uh, in the intervening years now, we've seen, you know, that be less and less true. There's still plenty of innovation and a huge amount of talent there in the, in the Bay Area, but, um, we're seeing now more and more parts of the U.S. involved in it, and now more and more parts of Europe. And so I, I see that, you know, leveling of the playing field being a theme that's going to continue for years to come. I think the, um, I don't think Silicon Valley ever loses its place, but it loses its, you know, the difference between number one and and everything else is narrowing, and will continue to narrow for years to come. Sure. Well, thank you for sharing that observation and thank you for sharing some insights on Anfido. Um, hopefully the next uh, three years will be as fruitful as the as the past three years as CEO of the company. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, you know, for us right now, um, the I, I, I'm really excited about the transition to digital identity that I mentioned a moment ago with Airside and the opportunity there. Um, I think for us, another thing we would point to is um, getting to cash flow positive is a, an incredibly meaningful goal. It's not just talking to the efficiency that we've been able to grow with, um, but it also means that we've, the, the analogy I use internally is we've um, unhooked ourselves from the drug of other people's money. Because when you, when you have you know, uh, capital that's free, you get lazy and you do all kinds of stuff that don't actually make economic sense and you get hooked on that drug. And so being able to unhook yourself from that and pave your own uh, path where you, you've now um, you know, put control of your destiny in your own hands is just such a critical turning point for the company. I've done that in, in my last couple of companies and look forward to doing that here. Fantastic. I think that's a refreshing take uh, after all the froth that we've seen in the last uh, two years in particular. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to call in from the Lumni HQ, uh, and I wish you all the best with uh, your role at Unfido. Thank you, Robin. Look forward to talking to the future as well. Likewise. Cheers. Bye-bye.